Hello and welcome to the Baby Giants Investing Podcast. Join us as we chat about the weird and wild world of small cap investing, all while searching for the precious few fast-growing businesses that have a shot at becoming industry giants. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Podcast guests and their clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. All right, we're live. We'll kick off with some good news. Let's see what we've got. Have you guys got any good news this week before I uh, dig into my treasure chest? <laughs> is it is it AI or nuclear or genetic or air purification related? Uh, I'm not. I don't have good news. I'm asking you for some. Good oh news. no. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I don't actually. What about you, Claude? Come on, Claude. Oh, you put me on the spot, Jen. Gen Z is overtaking the baby boomers, and hypothetically, okay, if we have a demographic battle, if we have a you know a vote or whatever, at this point, millennials plus Gen Z should be able to unite to overcome Gen X and the baby boomers. Especially, of course, considering how many of Gen X and the baby boomers are on our team. So I don't know if I'd be on Team Gen Z. I'd probably part rather part of the Gen X. Represent Andrew. I don't trust Gen well. Z. Youngins, Gen Gen X, Gen X, clearly the best generation. Gen starters, property prices. We need to party with them, like, <laughs> and and they and they. Andrew's got their back. See, Andrew's on the Gen Z team. <laughs> I am. I am one hundred percent. You know who else is? I'll, I'll give a shout out to Alan Kohler. He's great uh, quarterly yes, essay. He is. Was that good? He's a, he's a boomer. What a legend. Very yeah, much we, on. We, on about, we literally talked about that last week. I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, well, Maybe we, we cut it, it for time. I can't remember. There's, there's um, always more time to talk property, Matt. When, <laughs> when will you learn this? We, we can stretch this out for a four-hour marathon podcast. All right, or let's not. see some other good news. So the lithium route to deepens battery metal is now down 75% this year. Good times. I think it's a good Can sign. I just say, yeah. like, not, not to claim any great prescience there, but, I mean, we all called that. Like, that was the most obvious call that you can make. How many commodities sort of – cycles that we need to go through before we recognize that this is as night follows day <laughs> these kinds of things always happen and it gets me thinking right like you have the situation where it's so bizarre which we saw like last year mostly i guess it's sort of come down now but you have this situation where people who feel antagonistic towards environmentalists for whatever reason and they inev- invariably own coal stocks and they're like the coal price is going up they're making heaps of money and they're like rubbing it in the face of environmentalists being like, yeah, you know, suck it. Like, no, dude, this is what the environmentalists has wanted, dude. They, they actually wanted coal prices to go up and they want lithium prices to come down. If, if people get confused about whether making money off, like, you know, super profits or something is actually nobody who, who wants to see us use nuclear or re- renewable energy over coal. Nobody wants a low coal price. If you want that transition, you want a high coal coal price and the same goes for lithium so that's why for anyone thinking they might own lithium stocks oh why are these guys celebrating that my lithium stocks down it's not that if lithium goes down in price becomes cheaper then you're more likely to have more electrification and and ultimately less less coal power yeah and just and just the obvious the inevitability of that price fall i think the simplistic thinking of there the world will see a very big and sustained increase in demand for for rare earths, including lithium. It's like, yeah, no argument there. It's just that it's super abundant and there'll be a supply-side response and that supply-side response will push the price down. So the demand hasn't gone away, right? And as you rightly point out, Claude, in fact, I would suspect it's good good for demand, right? Like it's cheaper. It's got a lot of benefits for that. But it just, you just, I just make the point for the next time we go through this, like this little cycle that someone says, oh, the world is going to need more X, Therefore, I'm going to buy that. Just make sure that X isn't a commodified product because if it is, there will be a supply-side response and you are playing a game of chicken. You may do well if you if you swerve in time or you may not. Yeah, I mean, and there's always some report of why there's not going to be any supply response, right? Right. And then you just right. everyone's yeah. like, every mine is like, there's no supply response. That's why we're opening our new mine. And it's like, just add all those up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the other thing is there was a lot of carry on about there being a copper shortage for a while now, even I thought there was something to it a while ago. And that thing's just stayed flat, like, you know, ever since there's supposedly been a copper shortage, like, or it's actually up a bit recently. But also, hey, so if copper's up, that doesn't, isn't that an anti-recession indicator? Doesn't that, isn't that yeah, a Dr. Good sign for the global economy? That was, that was what so it was called, right? So basically, right? 
Copper is one of those commodities that has a lot of huge amount of industrial uses in all kinds of things. So if there is a lot of demand for that, it means that there's a lot of activity in the economy. So you're right. Yeah. And hence Dr. Copper. It's been flat to up. So, you know, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, the economy's, like, look at the American, the US GDP is booming, right? Like, it, you know, the economy is doing, the global economy is still doing very well. There's definitely parts that aren't, but in terms of actual GDP growth, it's still doing very well. And, and yeah, so actually let's unpack this a little bit. I agree with that, Matt. It does look like things are overall pretty fine. However, if you look at some of the things that I guess are more typically a leading indicator, and I'm just going to rail them off. This is a problematic statement I'm making for you to guys to respond to, but the argument would be job ads down. We, we saw a severe update from people infrastructure at the AGM where they're like down, I think it was like, you know, 25, 30%. Now they're obviously highly leveraged cyclical business model, but these would be potentially the early signs that uh, the heat's coming out of the employment market, for example. On top of that, we've got retail sales. I think we've seen, by and large, retail sales on a same-store basis anyway have been down. You've got some companies that are like in constant rollout mode, so they sort of, even with same-store sales down, they're sort of managing to look okay. But same-store sales are generally down. We're probably seeing uh, a few exceptions to the rule here or there. But, you know, even even people buying gadgets at JB Hi-Fi is down slightly, and let alone... You know, perhaps the more less important things like candle making, candles, scented candles, overpriced scented candles, indeed, you know, taking a big hit there. So, Why are you laughing at candles? What, what company are you talking about, Claude? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like stuff's pretty cheap now, actually. I was talking about, I was alluding to Dusk for anyone playing along. Obviously, uh, the. The quality of a business and the price, you know, interplay whether or not there's an opportunity. Obviously, the quality of it as a retailer is not particularly great, but it well, my opinion. But the price is also quite quite low as well. So there could be opportunities there. But the point is, some of these companies have definitely taken a hit. So that is what I put to you as evidence of weakening in the economy. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree. I'd say Australia is also a bit different from the US, right? Like, I don't think Australia, like Q3 in the US, I think was like almost 5% GDP growth. It was like four, like real GDP growth. So I don't think Australia is anywhere as strong. So I, I do think we're having, like, because the US, all the mortgages have fixed their rates, right? So like, we're not even oh, having the so like, mortgage effect. And then obviously all the, anyone who has savings is getting more money on their savings. It's so, so like easy to forget that, Matt. But it does yeah. have a huge effect, especially on something like retail. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Ex- so, you expect it to, right? Hundred percent. I think that's what's happening in Australian retail is what you'd call the mortgage bout, they call it is getting hit and or is choosing to pull back, right? On discretionary spend and had been spending pretty hot for a couple of years. So hot, man. I should see my friends like usually I'm the one that's spending the money and then like suddenly after the lockdowns ended, like just every single person I know is going going nuts on spending on like expensive stuff. As I understand it, we've still got a bit of spare capacity in terms of saving buffers on aggregate. So we have been, we, the collective we, have been burning through it. In other words, we're spending more than the income that we're generating, which is fine when you've got a big pile of savings to to draw upon, and we have been, but it's just that that's running down. And as I understand it, I think extrapolating the trends that are there that actually carries like you can maintain the current level of spending for at least another 3 4 6 months something something of that sort of caliber which is interesting right because you 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 look at these things and you'd think well who who isn't aware of that you know pay comes in credit card bill comes in there's a mismatch i draw on the savings i mean we all do it right i'm not I'm not having a go at, at people here it's just it's natural but after a while you might kind of think huh our savings have halved and all we have is this jet ski to show for it. Like where, at what point do you go, Hmm, maybe, and I, I don't know. Is, is that a, is that too naive and optimistic that people will be? On people. Yeah. I think it creeps on people. Cause the thing is that I've had, is like, I was like, yeah, I don't really care. Whatever inflation, you know, I'm fine. And then it's like, a couple of years into inflation, like, damn, I feel like everything's like doubled in price. Like it has doubled in I mean, more or less, right? Like you you, you don't have to carry forward five percent inflation for that long before prices and in, particularly in some of the, the the series within the broader CPI, like yeah, it's up quite a lot. You notice that. There was a really good interview I saw with the former head of the Reserve Bank of India, basically making this kind of case that it's not it's not until you, what you want to do with inflation, he was asked about specifically the inflation target. He goes, oh, it's completely made up. But the, but the idea, it doesn't really matter where it is. As long as it's at a level where people don't notice it, that's the level that you want. And I just yeah. thought, 
Yep, that's pretty much it, right? It's like I, there's no there's no like mathematical formula that will say above this point is problem is a problem below it isn't and it's just sort of like no we just we just don't want it to notice it. and people will notice it it's sort of the upper single digit kind of level and we won't notice it lower single digit i wonder if and when it will like i bet you it's hit goods like as in the buying slowdown the people tightening their belt i bet you it's hitting goods sales like retail sales of things uh first and harder than other other thing aspects of retail my thinking behind that is is twofold first of all when we were actually locked down, you could still buy things, right? So you still might have an, a, a car or a, a phone or something that you bought during lockdowns. And then the other thing is, you know, obviously people missed going out and doing things. So they like wanted to do that extra demand. But, you know, the price of going out for, for lunch or whatever or, or getting drinks, I don't know how I would have afforded it. Like at university, the current prices in the pubs to get a beer, you know, they it cost nothing when we were like when I was 18 or whatever. And I, and I wouldn't have been able to afford it now to even to live the lifestyle I lived back then. I think, you know, I think it was like $10 jugs or something. And now it's like $10 will pretty much get you a schooner or whatever. What was Maybe it a Andrew? pint. $5. I was waiting for a comment. It was It was three shillings a jug back in <laughs> I was allowed. <laughs> I'd ride in on my penny farthing and, and uh, order a, a cold frosty brew with some shekels. <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah i think that's fair so who's so who okay so one just reported today was uh collins food so they're the owner of taco bell and kfc it looks like they're still doing pretty well so like kfc same store sales in australia were up i think it was six percent total revenue up nine underlying ebitda up 11 percent. kfc europe same store sales up eight percent taco wow. bell up eight percent you go it doesn't surprise me like, at all i feel like it really about? supports what i was saying and i didn't even connect the two in my head it doesn't surprise me in the sense that this is this is the cheapest yeah exactly takeaway food you can get right it's it's that's what it supports isn't it that yeah i mean in fact i wouldn't be surprised you see people sort of maybe even trade down down to it yeah exactly so these are exact these are this is profit all went bankrupt right there was a delivery of like restaurant meals Right, like yeah, fancy right. restaurant home delivery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I, I just think you can be doing it really tough, but when you know you're hungry and you're out and you see a you know five dollar meal deal, you'll get it. Mm. Right, it's you might hesitate on the new no, I don't do car well, or something. That's but the thing as well, though. Right, when you're talking KFC or Pete or Domino's or whatever, like they're actually buying it there from the restaurant. It's not that much more expensive than if you made it, you like bought from the supermarket and made it yourself, kind of thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the it's a value to value food buy whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Anything else? Just don't don't stuff? factor in the cost of a Zempic you're going to need later. I was going to say <laughs> there's 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 the externalities of of living on that diet, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair, man. What what, what are the, what are some other ones on the ASX? Does anything else jump to mind of like services businesses in that trading down? Well, I mean, Domino's obviously, yeah, Domino's, but not perhaps not cruising along as well as Collins Foods. What about Levisa? Right, so this is interesting because these are super cheap items. These—it's hard to think of a better mm. current ASX example of the so-called lipstick effect. Right, like it's just—it's yeah, it, exactly. But but didn't we figure years ago that the lipstick effect isn't really actually that real? Like I swear that's where I ended up landing on that. You know, you get introduced with this idea, it has this sort of like folksy appeal to it. But then once I like decided to explore the literature or the studies to see if this was like a, a real thing. Oh, I, well, I've, I have certainly not done that. I, I tend to take an I'm idea. I'm not saying that, that I'm right, by the way. And I run with it because it feels <laughs> Yeah, <right>. no. <laughs> I like thought it back in Motley Fool days, I remember like researching it. I could have swore that I short shared my findings with you guys then or if that was some sort of group activity, Just but maybe it's just all. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like I thought you guys were listening, but you weren't. <laughs> just like, wait, wait a um, sec, does this does this reinforce my prejudices? No, not interested. <laughs> no, probably like, what are you talking about, Claude? Like, this is not a time for worrying about lipstick. Just buy another tech stock. <laughs> Lavisa's same store sales are down six percent globally. Yes, year to date. That so, is yeah, true. Maybe, maybe that is that is true. Saying that they're not benefiting from if there is a lipstick effect, they're not getting. That I reckon yeah. the, the effect, if it exists, is not that it goes up. 
I think that it's just that it, it doesn't get hit as hard as some other things. Yeah, 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 which is less exciting. <laughs> from an yeah, exactly. <laughs> My daughter's not of the right age yet, but she's coming to. I just can't imagine her going, mm, the economy's a little bit shaky and, you know, inflation's a bit higher than I think, so I'm not going to spend $6 on this bracelet that I really want for the party tonight. Like, it just drawing a line between those two things is is very difficult. And I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested if, if someone is, is, and I'm sure we've got a very astute and worldly audience. I'm sure some people have some good data on this. If, if there's something you can point to here to suggest that this isn't a phenomenon, I'd be really interested in that. Cause I, I'd imagine it's a pretty core part or important. About lipstick. Yeah. Of the lipstick effect. Uh-huh. Yeah. J- just, just, just. No, the, well, the lipstick oh, effect is like, it's, it's a spoiling yourself thing. That's the idea, right? That there's certain, that during a, like a recession, like a chocolate biscuits do well or something like that. Like, yeah. Like yeah. you don't have a holiday. So you get like a, yeah, yeah. a lipstick instead. Yeah. And, and the, and the opposite is true as well. Like when things are booming, it's not like I'm going to buy eight more times more lipstick than I otherwise would. You know, it's not, it, it is, the kind of thing that I will buy because I want to buy it because I like these little luxuries. And it's the thing that I will continue to buy even when things are tough because it is a little luxury and I'm feeling pretty crappy about the current situation and how tight things are. But why are we focusing on lipstick? None of us have any idea about it. It's a a horribly gendered example, but it's 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 a good one, right? Yeah. I mean, it's all marginal, I guess. That's the other thing with same sort of sales because you think like, oh, well, they'll still, people will still like like their candles. They're like buying there, but it's just, you know, does, eight, you know, 8% less. That's what, like, it's just, do you buy 8% less? You might even still go shopping there, but do you just, is your basket size just that little bit smaller? You know, it's not that much if you're spending like a hundred bucks to spend, you know, $8 less in total than you were before. Yeah. Like it's all these little marginal decisions. Totally. Add up to make it a tough headwind for retailers. But yeah, I mean, I guess the other broader question for retailers is like when, because at some point you'd think that these things start leveling out, but are you wait? Do you wait for a recession, or are you thinking like you know, like we're, we've already got pretty negative same store sales for most retailers? At what point do you jump in? I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, timing timing's diabolically hard. I I I don't know, but I do think that there is something to be said about. I think you've you've at least for me popularized the term that now casting, which is that idea of it's just like well, I don't have to predict the future. All I know is now that things are in a bit of a funk. All I can tell you right now is that, you know, PEs are potentially compressed a little bit. So I've got lower PEs on cyclically low earnings. It's probably a good bet if I'm, if I'm betting at, at, you know, for any reasonable length of time across the cycle, even though it almost invariably the share price will, will drop 30% after I buy it. It may well still be an incredibly positive move. I'm not there yet personally on, on LaVisa. I think the PE is still up near 28, something like that, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think that the time, the opportunity will come. So there's going to be some retailers that are actually just get killed in a slightly more hostile environment. But putting aside those ones, for the ones that are sort of, you know, there's something there, it's going to be an enduring business. I think that the time to buy, obviously, we won't ever be able to predict it perfectly, but it will be different for each one, depending on the sort of story and the narratives around that particular company. So for example, I think we already had the sweetest setup for step one, this company, which actually does have probably like an enduring offer and was hit really hard. And then did get is that isn't it the lipstick effect for you, Claude? Do you spoil yourself with another pair of forty dollar undies when you uh, the rest of the economy's not going <laughs> No, that's why they got me though. That because now I'm like, this is just how I get my undies now. Because actually, yeah, I guess the the treat part of it is I don't want to go to Kmart. I just don't want to physically put my body there. So. Yeah, just being able to sit at home and then like choose between a variety of like colorful designs. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, so that's still my favorite like one that got away, which I totally would have bought. It's just that I don't want the responsibility of writing a recommendation for like, you know, retailers basically. I'm a fan of Kmart, man. We got a good Kmart. I think it depends on your store. There's one I went to and as in Auckland, which was like, it was like post-apocalypse every time you went there. Like everything was just everywhere and destroyed. Yeah, go to the, go to the nearby one. I appreciate the value. You get like, spend 20 bucks, you get like six toys. Oh yeah, I shop there. They've got they've got good Lego prices too. Yeah, that's that false. Ki- that stuff's killing me. <laughs> I tell you, man, it's false value. I, false I, value. I, I yeah, oh, yeah because the last two, I tell you, man. They, 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 all you do is you end up with a garage full of crap. Is all you do, <laughs> right? I, I would I would far prefer to spend like five times as much and have a really high quality toy that that 
last. I mean, I'm, what are you I'm talking about? I've still got my toy trucks at home, yeah, right? Legos from the seventies. You know, they yeah, Legos yeah, high quality, nice lead paint that lasts forever, ain't it? It's like ah, this toy that Andrew used to lick explains a lot. <laughs> I went to this museum room. By, there, there used to be like radon, like radium was put in some toys. Eh, there was like a yeah, yeah. Toys, right? They were like nuclear power game. Here's an interesting idea for you in retail, which I don't know how I even got onto. But what about baby bunting? Because you know you would have thought there's like sort of a, at least some degree of yeah it doesn't seem like a good business to me but some the argument has been made that you know people will spend on on infants so it's a good business for that reason and yeah. of course it it's you know not as expensive as Lavisa or not as much growth priced in yeah I think it's I think it's a good case for it I, I I get I don't know there's a lot of retailers in Australia where I get really nervous about Amazon if I try and do like a, yeah, a DCF true. over 10 plus years I mentioned that one before there was another thing actually that just caught my eye on this topic so sorry I don't know if you I'll let you talk to baby bunch in a second Andrew if you've got thoughts but the other one was China's Timu which has taken off in Australia so this is an AFR article a couple of weeks ago discount eight Chinese marketplace Timu was shot to number three spot in Australian e-commerce rankings unseating better known homegrown competition kogan catch and my deal just six months after making its debut timo is a bargain lover's paradise known for its tagline shop like a billionaire steep discounts for items from replacement toothbrush kids to kitchenware to sneakers it's expanded 47 countries 120 million monthly users globally in australia 7.6 million visits bigger than west farmers and woolworth's own market wow i missed that yeah this is a category the category is dominated by leader amazon at 50 million monthly average visits over the same period but yeah basically it's just come from a standing start it's like very cheap together everyone what's it i don't know what the tagline is but it's like group buying like kind of it started as like group discount buying like they'd put like huge orders for this one like a few products mm. but yeah i don't know have you guys have you guys come across that no, no i think i've I seen haven't. an ad for it or something like you know when you search for something mm. it'll be like obscenely cheap stuff for the few things that it has is normally how yeah i do works. largely agree on andrew that buying stuff from own vendors online you end up getting some really random outcomes like i remember one time my wife bought collar like collar tag for the dog off some you know overseas random and she just got sent like these two little random funky plastic earrings instead <laughs> and, and that's it like yeah <laughs> <end of> transaction <laughs> like so i'm just opening it up now okay they've got here's some of the things these are like a lot of these are pretty crappy type stuff i'm thinking a fast charging thing for a car four dollars something that looks like it's an iPhone or like a Apple Watch is like $11. Yeah, it's just obscenely cheap versions of stuff, I guess. But some of them probably are fine, you know. Is there like an inventory clearance <laughs> mechanism like Chinese warehouses Yeah, or like something? it kind of is. I think that's part of what they do. I think they, that was part of like their base originally was doing stuff like that. It was like, yep. yeah, you end up buying some junk basically probably is what, what the outcome is. But. Came to our earlier discussion from a week or two ago, right? Though if you're in retail, be either cheap and nasty or super premium, mm. one or the other, right? And they've and then, and then they've done that and in surprise, surprise, they've they've, tr- they've sort of well, seemingly from what you're saying, un- unseated at least, or at least yeah. impacted others that try to play in that space. It's a, it, it is potentially a race to the bottom unless you can be the last one standing with a positive margin. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, the Amazon for I'm, I'm like a very I'm probably a big Amazon user. I don't know, like that's I prefer that. I, I hate going wandering around a shopping mall. It's my personal nightmare. <laughs> and so yeah, I, 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 I instant order on Amazon for like there's a certain price level where I just order it and. You know, now stuff typically comes the next day for me for a lot of things, but it won't be long in our major cities where I think it'll be in the hour. Like in the US, it's in an hour to have it delivered. And that just is a radically different experience. If you push a button, it's you shop in 30 seconds, something appears within an hour. Like you're not going, you're not going to the shops for a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of baby stuff is you need little thing, you need another bottle and you end up buying some other big thing when you're there, you know, like, and so that, yes. that kind of kills a bit of the baby bunting. Maybe. Well, and also gonna... sometimes with babies, you need it now. And so that might make you go into a shop, but if yeah. Amazon's the next day, then obviously it's or one hour. the next hour. Yeah. 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 It exemplifies your comment in regard to other things though, Matt, whereas you want it to be the destination. It's not like you're Googling it and then, oh, there's Amazon, I'll click on that. You're not you don't you bypass, you're just opening the app up, right? Yeah. It's search. That is special when that happens, when it's just I'm not and, and I've 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 caught myself a few times because I do the same and then think, actually, no, I will have a look around. And I do find a better deal. Right? It's just the assumption that it's going to be cheaper. This is the genius of um, one of the things that 
Bunnings did so well. It's like lowest price is guaranteed. If you find anything else, we'll beat it by 10%. It doesn't even have to be true. It's just like, huh, I guess they're the cheapest and the biggest. I'm going to go there. Right? I, just, I just am, right? I'm not even going to bother looking anywhere else. Really smart. And you get a sausage. <laughs> and you get a sausage. <laughs> I always end up buying the wrong thing from Bunnings. I have to go back and exchange it. Yeah. Anyway, uh-huh. I bought some bunnings, bought some owl, owl stuff to try and keep possums out of my yard. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Did it work? No, I don't think so. I think the yeah. I think the possums are just dancing in front of the owl. They don't care. <laughs> Anything else caught your eye over the last few weeks? Claude or Andrew? It's really starting to wind down. I mean, we've got the AGMs sort of happening, so there's a bit of info coming out of that. Yeah, so we had the Altium AGM, which uh, we did. A, Raymond did a little write up for us on the website because he actually went to that, which is which I, I you know, good to have because they didn't actually stream it. So good to have that that report there. And I guess you know probably the key takeaways from that is that what you can't read from the presentation is that you know that they seemed to be confident they reaffirmed their aspirational targets they said they're on track for their for their guidance and look to be fair there's there hasn't been any big move in the share price since the since the altium agm so probably the conclusion is nothing really came out of it good or bad necessarily but you know i guess well raymond's words were that the ceo exhibited calmness and pragmatism in the way he spoke about altium's future outlook so i think that that's sort of I guess somewhat reassuring vibes there, and obviously that's one, that's a company I own, so I just want to continue to see that it becomes a sort of one of the de facto tools that designers are using, and one of the you know the main softwares that people bother to train on and learn and and, and use. And if you kind of come, become a standard like that, obviously that's when you start being a, more and more sticky because the more people have used you for used your software for 10 years the more annoying it is on a human level to change very true yeah, that makes sense and did you want to talk about Viasan or yep yeah like just we can just scoot through a bit more small cap news so Viasan definitely one picked up by Benjamin Sayers who covered it when it started an upgrade cycle around six months ago that would have been another it's another one probably cyclical industry to a degree being in mining services dewatering and a few other things and it's had a big run since then so makes me de facto cautious when I see the stocks doubled but you know after the update for the AGM, the first four months was reporting. Essentially, he, he believes that it's it's on a good trajectory. Essentially, I personally don't really have have a view on. I find these little mining services companies like very difficult. I've seen them be very cyclical, so they're not really the the droid I'm looking for. In that, they're not probably like necessarily a ten year hold. But I think it's again one of those things. If you get them at the right moment, then yeah, then it's on a growth trajectory. That's the beauty of small caps, right? Like if, if the pr- profit's just growing that much, then and the P ratio isn't too bad at the start, then you've got a very good, reasonable chance that the the share price goes up with the profits, even if you don't get a re-rate on the P ratio. And I think that that's, you know, that's the argument for a lot of these contractor kind of businesses that have been successful. Yes, we see Vysan, but we also see one that I owned previously and once again sold out of too soon, Duratech, which I think is another story. Yeah, they've got a, a, a re-rate as well. But a couple of years ago, they were on, because their earnings had been hit by COVID, they were on a low PE ratio. And then they just proceeded to, through organic growth and also acquisitions, grow their earnings strongly. You get a re-rate on that P ratio and uh, what could be a very sort of ordinary business has a spectacular stock return. So is this a kind of area where I think it makes sense to fish? Yes, absolutely. At the same time, it can be hard work and it can be a little bit dangerous when things turn against you. But for now, this is it's, I think it's worth highlighting the ones that have got good earnings momentum. And I think Fison falls into that category. Yeah, I haven't looked at it closely, though I'm, I really should based on what you said that sounds very interesting well, i definitely think it, it could grow a lot it's just that you know how these businesses also you have to look at their balance sheet once they start introducing debt they become much riskier of course but when they're strongly in cash you'd argue it's not as risky mm. yeah what about anything small cap been discussed much on straw man lately andrew oh uh, i'll just throw a cheeky go catapult in there um. <laughs> <laughs> thank how's god how's that going we chatted about that last week god's Dollar thirty as I look oh, at the screen wow, now. Yeah, it's been an incredible. It's been an incredible trading stock in the sense that if you just if all you ever did was just like buy when it was below a dollar and sell when it was above two, well, you you could have done pretty well over the years. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't persist because I would much prefer just to hold the damn thing and it just to consistently go <laughs> it up. It's like an ancient curse for all your stocks to be good trading. Stocks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't but know. No, you've, I feel, done a, it, you've done very well out of buying and selling that one. I think. Uh, I wouldn't say use the word very. 
that's that's mm. that's over egging the pudding. But yes, yeah. I mean, anyway, I just I just want to chuck it in because I, I get plenty of flack when it's down. So you got to you got to yeah. you got to even it out. You know. Yes. All right. Anything else catching your eye? Uh no. Uh, other than I think it's an interesting time of year where once we get through these AGMs, the news flow is going to really dry up, mm. and I think that causes a bit of anxiety along a lot of stock pickers. For me, for one, I really welcome that. <laughs> it's nice. So I'm yeah. Still, I'm- I still think we're seeing. I still think if I was free to be a bit more flighty and whimsical, I still think there's there are probably some good takeover offer kind of yes. companies on the ASX at the small end. We saw another one come in today, Namoy Cotton. They're still kind of they're still coming. Yeah, they're still coming in a regular. Door Beauty, right? Door Beauty's just had an offer. Yeah, exactly. Or a discussion on an offer. I can't remember now. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think they rejected like that. an offer that at a higher. They rejected. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think there are a few like that. And look, Door Beauty could could be an interesting one. Um, itself in retail, obviously, doesn't actually have the earnings to fall back on at the moment, so a bit riskier. But you know, we're seeing takeover offers for companies that are still loss making because they've those loss making companies have gotten hit so hard. So yeah, I'm not really fishing in that space myself, but I think it's interesting. Uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about or touch on, I guess, in the in the news was that insurance got taken over by PSC Insurance. So that's like a, that's another one we're also seeing, and which I now own. PSI, PSI, which is PSC Insurance. So I think we're seeing a lot of mergers and I think there are merger arbitrage kind of opportunities, takeover arbitrage kind of opportunities. So that's probably one thing that I'd like to, since I've like, I guess, just had a bit of that in my portfolio, I'd like to have a few more of those angles because I've never seen the picking so good for actual takeovers going through. I'd probably stick more to the companies that actually have earnings though. And then beyond that, there's a lot of, fairly we're gonna enter a better zone for picking small caps i think when we already have entered it the problem is that that level of slightly depressed valuations could go on for an indefinite period like there's Another no case. promise when it <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's like well when you're at the end of the zone of excellent yeah. buying then yeah, you're having a great point. time <laughs> but um yeah, if you're at the beginning of it, perhaps, which might be where we are. I'm not really quite sure, obviously. I, I think that's really interesting in the sense that when there are bargains around, it never feels that way. It's never obvious at the time. And it's kind of like, well, what do you want if you're a stocker? You want things that are uncertain and scary and cheap, right? And 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 like any any good sort of narrative, there's got to be a degree of truth to it, right? And and they're like, in other words, some of this fear is very well found, very well founded, particularly in areas. But as we've often remarked, or at least I feel as though we've said it a bit, is is that there's the baby in the bathwater phenomena, and there's a lot of high quality stuff that's been dragged down. That's why there is more enhanced takeover uh, activity because others are sort of seeing that. And I feel as though, not that I've heard a lot of people say this, but it's that the the easy retort here is, yeah, that's true. I'm just going to wait for things to get better and then I'm going to pull the trigger, which is kind of like, I get the sentiment, but once it's sort of obvious, the opportunity is a good deal of it has, has sort of passed. You won't know that was your that was your opportunity until it's over. Kind of thing. Yeah. The nature and, of I, and, and, and where I struggle with that, I mean, it's your point, Claude, is this sort of like, I think there's definitely a lot of companies you can make a pretty objective, rational case for value. But that doesn't mean it can't drop thirty percent and sit there for two years before you. You know, you might look back in ten years' time and go, "Wow, that was that was an incredible investment that I made." And look at my my compound annual growth rate. It's just going to be a shitty couple of years, though. I mean, that that could easily and often tends to sort of be the case. I don't know what my point is, other than to sort of say to investors that are out there is is like, and I'm, I may be saying this more for my own benefit than anything else, which is maybe you need to be a bit more aggressive at this point. I know it's sort of scary, but that's kind of what. You're on point. That's the point of getting together as small cap investors to try and discuss some of the emotions of how the market and everything is affecting you so that we can make good decisions. And we don't necessarily know the right decisions, but at least we can dissect our own thinking and the psychology of it. And you really got me thinking with that. It's like, I have one solution to that fear of how you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to wait, you know, I'll wait, which I feel by the way. And I'm not saying it's all, you should always obey it. But that's why I'm saying, well, what are the ones that I can push past that fear on? And the two things, the one thing I feel like is the easier one is just buy something that's not really a tiny micro cap or a small cap anymore. It might be a mid cap. It's proven its quality. And I think when you buy actually a genuinely high quality mid cap business that does have plenty of room to grow still, you can still do quite well. 
And also, they're a little bit better sleep at night stocks because basically if they're growing, then in a way, all you have to do is just keep holding. And if you have correctly called that due to the high quality nature of the business, the is very highly likely that the profits will grow over time, then it's the ultimate kind of time is your friend thing. And I think that's where we're most likely to see, you know, actually just hold and you're going to be okay. And there will be times when these small cap, when the market gets pumpy again, what really flies is these small mid growth stocks that are at the edge of ASX inclusion and funds are positioning and it's all, it's, it becomes more about flows. So, I mean, that's a huge part of my portfolio. And that's the thing that I feel most comfortable in adding to because I like, even if I'm screwing up the timing of it right now, the time is my friend on this. The businesses needs to keep growing. And maybe you can time arbitrage it. Like, you know, you should be choosing businesses that are going to last way more than 10 years. Like they're in now, they're locked in hmm. to a system somehow. And that I can get across the line on it. And then the other thing that I think is, which is harder to get across the line on is all of these businesses, most of these businesses that are getting takeover offers, they've gone down really low. But the reason they've gone down really low is there is something really scary about it. And that's the one that I feel less comfortable it's scarier to try and get people like to try and recommend such a company because it can just go wrong and actually it turns out it was terrible can i can i add to that because i I think you're 100 percent right except that it feels as though that the ones that are more obviously high quality aren't cheap and the ones that are cheap have all of have all of these problems with them so it's kind of like you either take the quality at a fair price, and there's a very famous octogenarian who sort of advocates for that sort of approach, um, or you take or you take the less than wonderful business, but at a, at a dirt cheap price. I, I feel like that's the sort of dilemma at, at this point. Yeah. Well, I actually think we are seeing a, a, a bit of. I think there's a lot on offer, though. That's why I think Greg Hoffman's making that s- statement is that you are seeing. For first time in a while, there's a few options. There's also some small cap stuff that you would probably call like classic growth at growth at a reasonable price stuff. So like you know teens PE ratios and and growing reasonably well. And and I think that that's like I guess some of those roll ups are looking. Some of them are in a decent position. You know, there's a bit of a dividend yield there. There's stuff like that. But it's like those takeover option ones. They're the ones you could get forty percent or sixty percent in a day on or something mm. like that. Mm. Um, you know, another one that came to mind and probably like a good example, like what are the other ones like this? Let's take a look at um, and take a talk about Diverger, which I don't know if we've ever mentioned on the show. It's a small um, it's a small financial advice business. It was trading at a pretty low P ratio. So around 10 or something like that had a pretty high dividend yield, 5% plus. So on the value, you could kind of buy it and you'd be like, yeah, I can sort of see the value here. It's quite possible just I'm buying it cheap enough that, you know, I'll just get my money back in dividends in the long term or something like that. And then it's gotten a takeover offer, which was not very generous at all, that arguably undervalued it. Then shareholders came out and said, hey, come on, you know, and there was, it turned out it leaked into the AFR that there was another higher offer. Like it was a bit, wow, it was a bit of a really low price takeover. It didn't really make sense why the board was recommending it. Anyway, then they've gone and got a slightly higher price there. Uh, for Diverger, which still you could say is not that generous, but the point is, you know, you've, you're seeing this notching up of the price that can happen as well. And also that was buying a, a profitable dividend paying company. I think that I want to, if anyone's listening and you got the other, other Diverger candidates out there, I think I could definitely make space in my portfolio for some something like that as, as well. Because uh, I think, yeah, maybe the only time you, only way you're going to get like a real free kick is if you get that takeover, but probably the downside's not too bad, as opposed to one of the loss-making tech companies where you could get a really nice kick from a takeover as well. Mm. But also there's a higher risk of that takeover falling through, you know, or it just not coming along or something like that. Yeah, yeah. At least if they're profitable, you can hold on while you wait for the, you know, the mythical takeover offer you might get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a bit of news from a week ago. I don't know if we touched on, I don't think we did last time was Playside increased their guidance again which was nice. So they're, they're basically on track for a 50% lift in revenue for FY24 following, I forget off the top of my head, but pretty amazing growth in the year before it. That's a stock you could have made 50% on in the last little month or so. Like there is, there's things, things are moving around, you know, and the kind of stock that could be down back, back at those levels like next week again. But anyway, that, that was an interesting point. They seem to be kicking some goals. I'm, I've got a small holding in them. I, I very cognizant of the fact that it's, there's, I really like this sort of 
work for hire kind of baseline revenue. But what we need as shareholders to get really excited is a is a hit on Steam. Like that that really changes things, you know. Like I definitely think this is I don't I've never been able to really get comfortable with the the valuation, but I definitely think this is a one stock that could once again fetch a really high valuation. It's got like a lot of elements there. Yeah. Capture the imagination of the market. And it's only, well, it depends, right? So if some of this, if this top line growth can, is the, the biggest ifs in the world, right? So it's Captain Obvious here, but still, if <laughs> revenue keeps growing at the kind of way it has and and if it, it sort of sustains the recent cash flow positivity and scales well, it, it, it may not be nearly as expensive as it, it looks. It's just hard to handicap you know it's like it's like betting on a hollywood studio coming out with the next iron man like is it possible sure like how when and how and how much like it's really hard to handicap that kind of stuff yeah but now so many people's watching you know i feel like the share price will move you know as there's a game success so it'd be hard to get ahead of unless you're really across the the actual game itself yeah unless you sort of saw that they they developed one that was going to be a hit yeah I don't know what I, I, this is probably not the, com- the topic to sort of wade into at this late stage of the pod, but it is. I've been thinking more and more about AI and some of the breakthroughs that are happening here and what industries are going to be disrupted by that. And the short answer is everything, <laughs> it seems to me. But it feels like I've seen some really cool stuff. We were talking off air on some like the, the capacity to produce feature length movies. For a few from a few prompts and that's probably not that far away right and i suspect this same kind of things can be said about games development as well right and what does that do to a company like playside i, I can actually go both ways on that on one hand i can say oh it's terrible because now anyone can kind of do it on the other hand i can say well you're probably going to still need someone steering the ship and you're still going to need some technical chops to sort of bring it together at least at this stage maybe in 10 years that's completely up changed but yeah i don't know very broad comment what do you, you guys have any thoughts on that so it's basically i guess this goes for a lot of domains right that you could have ai like an ai could write a book right now probably wouldn't be the best book in the world but it could write a book kind of thing mm. yeah i guess it just depends what we value i don't th- i don't i think we're i don't think it'll be i think there'll still be and it'll still be people based because i think it'll be like there'll be like one the, the movies are very like power law based right so you probably have mm. this like flood of movies and i think there would still be i don't know i guess at that point you're getting towards so like hard. super intelligence right or if it's yeah. like better than humans at everything but let's assume it's not then i think it would still be like humans like it's kind of like coding right now right like you could say that coders are obsolete actually i think it's the opposite because now they're just super powered basically like a single coder can do an immense amount of work but you still you still do kind of want a, a human there at least for the for, foreseeable next few years yeah you're directing traffic yeah Yeah. more you're more a coordinator than 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 the more grunt level work yeah correct you 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 know the right questions to ask right like you or i would struggle to get ChatGPT to build like a facebook clone right because we just don't even know like all the different types of databases blah blah blah, all the work that would be required yeah it could have some bugs we don't even understand them right like it's understanding enough to know the right questions to ask at least in the current model of ai as tools i don't know if we're going to get like proper agents at the moment they're not that smart right in a way like ChatGPT just regurgitates statistically predicts the next word kind of thing so yeah yeah i don't think we're there yet and hopefully not for a while <laughs> yes yes yeah. any other thoughts as we wrap it up there no i think that's that's it always happy for suggestions from the crowd did you guys want to touch on smart pay which uh, reported its results last night h1 results oh uh, yeah give us a rundown well i don't it's not one that I've owned and I don't know it well, but I can tell you the numbers, which was actually earnings per share. It looks like down a little bit. Net profit after tax down, net profit before tax up. So they've started paying tax. That's hit them. But also, if you look at the half on half, their net profit before tax was down slightly on H2 in you know, so the immediately prior half. And also that was because of a cyber incident, about a million dollar hit there. and they normalized it. And if you normalize it, then it was kind of flat. It was 4.8 million end profit, net profit before tax versus 4.7 million in the immediately preceding half. So I, that not, I'm not trying to say that that means the business is bad or anything because I just don't know well enough. Perhaps there is, you know, yes, sort of some reason for that. But, you know, on the face of it, they did 1.1 cents per share earnings in, in the first half. Even if you double that, and add a little bit, you could say that they may, they're going to make 2.5 cents. I don't know if that's accurate or not. It probably isn't. But I'm just pulling that out of thin air just to demonstrate the fact that, you know, the share price is $1.34. Okay, that was also, is that 
they report in New Zealand dollars? I can't remember. Should I'm just looking at, at, at forecast forecast EPS for 2024 yeah, is four cents. So on a forward basis, four assuming cents. that's great. Yeah, it's 30, 33, 34 times PE, I guess, at this age. I wonder how it gets to four cents when it was when it was one. Uh, well, this, but this, this is consensus analyst guidance, so take take it. Oh yeah, well. yeah, no, I, there might be reasons for that as well. I'm just saying on the face of it. Looks like decent business, but also I don't know. I don't get to the mult. The multiple's not easy for me. Like I don't know how they get to that four cents. For example, if we look at the half that was, and even more than double it, even if we say three cents, then it's still. This should be a bit stronger half, right? With Christmas for like a trading period, I think we'd have a bit more transaction value normally. Yeah, so so they should have a stronger second half. That's fine. But even if we say the second half's going to be earnings per share double the first half, then that still only gets you to about. 3.3 cents that's new zealand cents by the way so what's that in a in aud that's three cents pretty much or a tap a tad over that so yeah it, any way i look at it it just looks like it's it's definitely got a lot to do in that second half which it may well do yeah definitely not calling it out just don't know it well enough but I, the reason i don't know well enough is because every time i've looked at it i've like oh well, this seems pretty expensive and it's just gone up so you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. The weird one with this is it's got a very well-known thesis of like of that they're going to roll out their terminals into or their their revenue share product into New Zealand, right? So they've got all these terminals there, and the idea is they're going to launch their Australian business model into New Zealand. That's right. And if you like join any call, any results call or anything, that's that's kind of all the questions are about that, and everyone's kind of baking it in. I guess it, I don't know, just kind of question. I was kind of interested in your guys' thoughts of you know times where that's worked out because it kind of feels like everyone who owns stock everyone who's thinking about it all knows the same idea kind of goes with what you're saying claude about like obvious ideas maybe but it just seems like it's a bit like you don't really have a variant perception perhaps maybe it's a bit too obvious maybe it's a bit too baked in but yeah just kind of curious your guys thoughts on that yeah i think that that when when we have these i think last week i was talking about oh sometimes just the first order thinking works it's about being early to that though because this first order thinking if the idea is powerful it will spread but you make the gains in buying Microsoft shares the day that the obvious thing comes out. And then that obvious thing takes a long time to spread out through and just become accepted reality and priced in. And yeah, sure, it gets priced in way before it actually happens. But the first order play is when it's something that's powerful enough idea that it will spread. And even if it moves up a bit, what I've found is you think, oh, something comes out, Microsoft's up 10% or whatever it is. Like, dude, that has not been fully priced in yet. The fact that when a small percentage of people found out about this thing, they bought it 10% shows how they pushed it up 3 or 10% or whatever it was. That shows how powerful the idea is. You wait until that idea then spreads to everywhere. It's going higher. That's the idea of the buy the first order effect thing that I they say works. But then with S&P, it sounds like maybe now we're at the point where like actually this idea has fully spread and it has been priced in so now it needs to deliver and ideally deliver even better than what people think and the reason that i've not gotten enthusiastic about it is i just look at the industry and i'm like how is it that tyro is such a dumpster fire and you're so good like you guys are doing basically the same thing and then there's other competitors as well that aren't listed on the asx and it just seems super competitive that's, that's the only you hit thing it man. problem with it that's that's my that's my issue and it's not that i have a bearish view on it i just i can't i can't get a hold of that it, it seems it strikes me as a business that is extraordinarily well run just like you know mwah, beautiful operational excellence they've got their pitch down they've got a good product and they're just they're just executing and that's i guess that's a moat i guess it is i don't i but but the durability of that is hard to do it and again these are there are big 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 players <laughs> that you're competing against and i i don't know what retailer wouldn't happily switch if uh, that option was given it seems like it doesn't not necessarily i blame my local pub for keeping me for i missed smart pay because of my local pub because they just keep on changing it and they had smart pay and they changed it to someone else yeah. And at the time I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I asked them why. And they're like, oh, you know, some other thing was lower fee or whatever. Yeah. But then I've noticed they keep changing it. And I think that the, what the pub's doing is that they're like, there are introductory offers. Like they negotiate some discount to change. Yeah. And so they just keep on changing to get the, low, the best possible terms. Because they've been through like three at least. Well, that's interesting. That's the point, right? Like that's interesting. Like that, that, that to me, like this one data point says there isn't. Yeah. 
but it also might like so that's what it was saying to me as well and that's why it's affected me but now i'm just digging into why i think something and it's like well maybe i've just based this view on this one data point that's not representative and there's just like the the guy that runs the, my local is just particularly dedicated to like minimizing transaction fees yeah he's probably an outlier i mean i, I would imagine a lot of small business owners have got far bigger fish to fry than trying to squeeze a small like saving out of their top their pos terminals you know like i i, I really get that inertia is a real thing right people are lazy as a general rule i sure as hell am and and so I, I i can i can totally totally see that but it's just yeah i i don't know i know a lot of people really like it and you can easily see why given given how they have delivered um i did i did like just noticing the most recent presentation they got a thomas edison quote saying vision without execution is hallucination <laughs> so they're obviously proud of their execution and and they should be and also i think that their charts are good because they gave the half by half break down like what i'm trying to say is from looking at their presentations i actually think they are doing a pretty good job you know in in terms of how they're communicating with the market there so good on them look Mm. one final little bit of news i wanted to share is just for your watch list and stuff obviously because it's a decent company is that pwr had a market update it was marked non-sensitive but the share price did move down sort of after it came out and what the update was and for those listeners who don't know, PWR is a, a, like cooling technology. So they got famous for doing, you know, cooling systems for Formula One. But obviously, growth areas include, you know, space and military purposes as well. And what they said is that as indicated in PWR's forward OEM pipeline over the past two years, P. WR has been supporting the development of battery cold plates for a high volume electric vehicle program that is due to commence production in 2026 for a period of five years. PWR has been in commercial negotiations for the production phase of the program and it advises that it has withdrawn from those discussions for commercial reasons and PWR's assessment of risk. So what do you guys, and then it goes on, it says, look, they remain committed to growing their OEM business responsibly, et cetera, et cetera. What do you guys think of that? Is the market right to be marking down the stock in response? Ooh, Matt. Matt about to sneeze so <laughs> i don't man i don't i, I, I don't no, have i mean a... it depends how material the contract is i guess right yeah so it's like out of their pipeline right so it's something that i guess analysts might have been factoring in which is why the share prices drop the silver lining to this is to me the other reading of it i guess the slightly variant perception i had to the market which is why i wanted to bring this up is i was thinking well maybe it's kind of good that they're willing to walk away for things um you know they're going after like 20 percent margins that if they can that means you know they've got to have pricing power they've got to be serious maybe this is them saying look well this is how we exercise pricing power in our business we just say no to a deal if it's not going to be good enough so in a way you could interpret that as them sticking to doing what they say they're going to do like they believe they're that good and that's what they're going to ask for yeah i don't know i was more just up for discussion to see what you guys thought but it's not made me dislike the company just because they've lost this opportunity put it that way nice yep all right we'll wrap there we've hit time and now our internet seems to be dying thanks everyone very much for listening if you have any thoughts comments questions you hit us up on twitter at baby giants pod until next time yeah thanks for listening see you next week thanks everyone have a great day yeah cheers